We would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land in which we record this podcast today, the Arakwal people of the Bunjalong Nation, and pay our respects to Elders past and present. Hello, Yummy Mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums-to-be and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here Here we go. go. Hello, Jade. Hello, Sophie and um, Pearl. Yeah, Pearl has just heard us hit record, so she has woken up and is having a feed. So if you hear gulping, burping, farting. It's Sophie. You might also hear some (laughs) other things from Pearl because that's all just me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, get on, little darling. There we go. We figured it's like a motherhood, you know, I've run it past the boss and the boss has said that I'm allowed to get my nips out. Yeah. at work yeah. so that's very kind of yeah <laughs> just don't get milk in my eye <laughs> so we are back in person in real time it's so nice we had a month break she decided to wait till the very end of the month to come I thought that maybe she was going to come like two weeks early and then I was going to get two weeks off once she was actually born but alas here we are <laughs> Now, we thought because we'd been gone for a while, there's new listeners, there's a new member of the family, we would get reacquainted with things. We asked you guys to send in your questions about our life updates, what we got up to over the break. What didn't we get up to? What didn't we get up to? Mm. I didn't actually get up to a lot until the very end (laughs) (laughs) and then I birthed a child. We promised the birth story is going to come separately. It's still fresh. I've still got a hemorrhoid once the hemorrhoid (laughs) has resolved then I think that's a sign that like I'm ready to tell the story I also need to just go through in my mind because it was long because it was long I feel like I need to like write down some notes of what actually happened and maybe check in with my midwife and ask if I've remembered correctly I actually don't know anything and I've chosen not to ask Sophie because I want to be as fresh as you guys so when I'm going in asking her questions it will be literally every single thing that you know everyone wants to know so I have no idea other than the fact that she birthed a beautiful four kilo little bopper yeah she's an absolute bopper yeah I can't believe I had over four kilos of human inside me and then on top of that a juicy ass placenta and then on top it was juicy it was meaty Mm. and then on top of that I always have like quite a lot of amniotic fluid like when my waters break it's never like oh is that just me peeing like it's like you're you're aware there's waters so yeah I just packed a lot into my 160 centimeter frame (laughs) (laughs) that we do promise we're going to tell the whole story from start to finish and we also want to promise because someone wrote in quite concerned that our entire podcast is going to turn into newborn material we promise hello I'm here too remember yeah, yeah, yeah. I got some stuff to say. <laughs> yeah, Jade's going to tell us all about her colonic. Yeah, what else welcome. would you want to hear? You're welcome. My butthole. We promise that <laughs> our content is still going to be all about different areas of motherhood, different experts, different personal stories. But as always, we also like to keep you know, the episodes about what we're going through as well. And obviously there's a new member (laughs) of the family to talk about. So there will be newborn material as well. And if you don't like any of that, well, good Good on on (laughs) you. Now you're going to get us started. Someone wrote in saying... Honestly, this girl has been a dream feeder. Yeah, and Get a camera in front recording. of her face and she's like, nah, I'm yeah. going to be fussy. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to muck around. Okay, someone wrote in saying, I'm a new listener. Can you please give us a brief get to know you instead of having to go through all the hundreds of episodes? <laughs> <laughs> okay, a get to know me. 
So my name is Jade. I'm 35 and I live in Byron Bay with my husband and three beautiful daughters. I've got Mia, who is nine, Billy, who is eight. They're 16 months apart. And then I have Yumi, who is turning four very soon. So that keeps us really, really busy. What was your life before you did this? My life before this was, I can't remember because it has seriously been so full on for the past nine years that I wouldn't have a clue. No, I traveled extensively around Europe. We went to Russia. We went to Mongolia. We did the Trans-Siberian. My husband and I did lots and lots of travel in our twenties. And then I did marketing and advertising here and there in between trips. And I fell pregnant when I was 25 years of age. So I was, it wasn't a planned pregnancy. It was more of a whoopsie, but yesy. And it was a great surprise. It changed everything as children do. And then we decided after six months of having her in Melbourne, we moved to Byron where my husband's born and bred and we haven't looked back. It's been absolutely amazing. And you accidentally got pregnant again very quickly. No, I planned that one. Was that planned? Can you believe it? I think I'm always shocked by that. I think you tell me that every time. You make up that I actually (laughs) accidentally fell pregnant. but Well, because it sounds a bit more sane for it to have been an accident. you just remember having an eight-month-old. The last thing usually you think of is I'm going to have another one. Hectic. But I- eight to nine months is when I think the exhaustion really sets in. This is for me. Yeah. I think the exhaustion really sets in. They're sometimes starting to pull to stand, which I find the most stressful oh, yeah. stage because they're just pulling shit onto themselves and they have to be supervised at all times. So I can't believe that at that time you looked at Harry and thought, put another one in Come me. Come on, baby. I actually remember exactly where we were when I said, let's have another baby. It was like near a bookcase and that was it. Oh, God. Yeah, no, it, like that was it. She was conceived up against You don't have sex all the time when bookcase. you have a little baby. Well, I didn't anyway. But, yeah, it was. she was conceived around books, which is quite nice. So Billy was born 16 months apart of Mia and so how old was Mia? Oh, my God. Let's 16 months. Fucking <laughs> if anyone's thinking of doing it, I think that Jade may have just turned you off. No, I never. She still hasn't recovered. I didn't have brains before this, just, just so you guys know. I'm not very good at math. No, and honestly, so Harry was working a lot. He had to provide for the family, so I was a stay-at-home mum and he would have to go away for work at two weeks at a time and my parents lived in Melbourne, so I was very much on my own. I didn't have a massive network of friends at that time moving to another state and my sister-in-law was working up the coast, so I really felt quite isolated and it was really hard for me to juggle. However, I feel like being... 26, 27, it was more doable. My patience was still at a level where I was like tolerable and I was more like, oh, I can go with this. I can do this. And look, it was manic. And I've said this before, but I remember going down to the beach one day with Billy in my carrier and Mia running in the sand. And I had tears pouring down my face. And I looked at a mother that looked like she had it all together and she had three kids. And I just said, how on earth do you do it? And she kind of just gave me an answer that was like what you see on Instagram, you know, just a fluffy like, oh, you know, it's just, you know, didn't really, I guess, tell me the truth that I wanted to hear. And I think that's why it's so important that we share our own experiences, especially you now that you're going through the newborn stages, because we do forget. You forget how hard times can be. You forget how sore your boobs can be, how exhausting children are, and we want to be the ones to remind you guys of that. We are your contraception. <laughs> You're welcome. No, I just feel like. I think we could both do with our own contraception. I know, I know. But, yeah, look, that time, the 16-month gap was incredibly challenging, yet so rewarding because they're the best of friends now. They are like yin and yang. They are so opposite, yet they are so in sync. It's really beautiful to see. So I feel like I did a really good thing by having them very close. And then the other age gap, which is like four years, is Billy and Yumi. 
And I really don't think that there is the perfect age gap because you've got personalities, you've got different characteristics, you've got different genders. You just don't know what you're going to get. And I, I really couldn't say what would be easier or what would be harder. I just feel like in your heart, when you feel like you're ready and your partner's ready to have a child again, another child, then you go for it. Don't go researching of what people think genuinely is best because that's their story and their journey. Yeah. So me, I am Sophie. I grew up in Melbourne, but I now live in Cabarita Beach, which is in northern New South Wales. I have three girls as well now. I have Poppy, who's almost five, Goldie, who's three, and Pearl, who is two weeks old. And I'm married to my husband, Nick, in my life before children, which also feels like a haze <laughs> and another lifetime ago. Actually worked as a doctor. I finished my resident year before I had Poppy, which means that I hadn't like specialized or gone down GP training yet. I'd kind of just finished my mandatory hospital stint before you kind of decide which way you want to go. And then I went on maternity leave and I haven't returned since. I always say it's like a never say never thing about returning. But if I was a betting person, I would say I'm probably not going to return because what I do for work now through the podcast mainly and through sharing our life and kind of I I hope at times a realistic version of what a life is with kids on Instagram. I find it, yeah, I find that it's flexible, it's creative, it's fun. I get to really be around for my kids in this like fleeting but very full-on stage of parenthood. I think the main reason I got into medicine, which is super cliche to say, is to help people. And I feel like through the podcast, we can help so many Mm. people in this incredibly vulnerable stage of life. And you get to hit so many more ears because instead of having a one-on-one consultation, which is so important, and we need amazing doctors out there, but we get to hit thousands upon thousands of ears whenever they're ready to hear it. So yeah, I feel like we get to do that. My husband has always worked in hospitality and now he actually does uh, food content creation. So he's super flexible as well, which I always like to say to people when they're listening to me telling my story. I feel like I come from a very privileged place where I have a husband who is around a lot, who loves to be a very, very, very hands-on parent. So take my experience, Hmm. you know, don't always compare it with yours because a lot of the time we have two parents around. The hands-on. Yeah. Is that me? I think that's you. Is that me in a nutshell? That's you in a nutshell, babe. Let's get into today's episode. Let's go. All right. A lot of people wanted to know about the transition to three kids Mm -hmm. and I want to be wise (laughs) and not ignorant and say that I definitely want to come back in about eight to 12 weeks and properly talk about the transition into having three kids because I am hyper aware of the fact that right now I'm in a bubble. I'm still full of adrenaline, oxytocin. The nights aren't worrying me yet. Like I haven't had that real like build up of nights upon nights of sleep deprivation. Like I'm still feeling fresher than I was when I was pregnant. We still have so much support around us and the novelty has not worn off with the kids. So things are really good right now. I will talk about like, you know, the realities of having a newborn, but I think that we really want to do like a two to three transition, maybe when some (laughs) of that shine has worn off and it's a bit more realistic. But how do did you find your transition from two to three? So I agree with that. And I know that there are a lot of people out there that actually find pregnancy really, really quite manageable. And then they go into having a newborn baby and that like as soon as you give birth is extremely challenging for me. And every time I gave birth, I found breastfeeding a big challenge. Mm-hmm. I had really engorged breasts because they're usually quite small. My nipples always cracked and bled. It was so beyond painful to get that latch on for the first couple of weeks. Like it's it's that feeling when 
how do you explain it's like an electric it? shock in your nipple yeah but you're just you know that it's coming you know that it's already sore and when they say you need to keep on feeding on that boob to push it like curls it, your toes i remember my mum sitting next to me on the couch and she was having a conversation and I had to yell at her. I said, don't look at me. <laughs> and she was like, whoa. And it was just the most excruciating few seconds until, you know, she could latch and the milk came down. So anyway, that was always a challenge for me. But from going from two to three kids, I found coming home quite fine. You know, the newborn bliss is that first six-week period for me that, the child doesn't really do much but sleep, eat, poo. Shit. God, they poo, shit. I poo, forgot poo, how poo, much they poo. shit. And repeat. So I was able to manage at that time. I could get the kids ready. I could then feed her. I could do the bath times. I could do all these things, which was really, really great. And at this time, if I'm brutally honest, I didn't really need the extra hands that was offered. So I was like, oh, no, my husband's doing his own thing. That's fine. I've got this. So I kept on doing it. And a disclaimer here, I was very much the person that wanted and almost begged for a third child. So I had this thought inside me that I better show my husband and not that he ever expected this, but in my mind, I had it in me that I just had to do everything myself because I wanted to prove this to is him, what you wanted. Because yeah, I wanted this. Can I ask about that? Because mm. someone actually wrote in saying, I definitely want a third. My husband definitely doesn't want a third. What do you think we should do? And you've, you know, you've been in the shoes. Like I come from a different situation where Nick and I both definitely wanted a third. Mm. We came into parenthood wanting four. As soon as we had kids, we were like, oh shit, I think we need to rethink that. And we've both definitely wanted three. We're both definitely content with three. How did you go about that? And how would you do things differently now? So my husband wasn't a no. He didn't He didn't say, no, I do not want a third child. He just said, no, not right now. Mm. But I had this overall, like, you've got this desire and this urge that came over me. I've never had it with anything else in my life, not the first child, not the second child, but the third child, I had this overwhelming urge to really want another baby. And I wasn't listening to him. I just didn't listen to anything that came out of his mouth. We were moving house. He was about to start writing again. He, There was a lot of things that he wanted to start now that the girls were at an age where he could possibly go and do that. And he knew that if we had a child, that would be put on the back burner yet again. So no, I, I get that. Like <laughs> Nick and I were even talking about that this morning where I was like, how do you feel like it's going? Like what things are you happy with? What things, if it's possible, would you want to change? And he was just saying that like, even though having a five and three-year-old, they're very dependent on you, you forget the level of freedom that you get to in comparison to the level of freedom you have when you have a baby. And he's like, it's just, yeah, it's just the starting again of establishing that new juggle, that new, like not a routine because we're in no way in a routine (laughs) right now, but that new just working out how everyone kind of gets their time and has that level of freedom. And it's funny because even with a five and a three-year-old, I would have looked back and gone, oh God, it's intense. It's such a juggle. But then you have a baby and you're like, oh no, this is dependence. (laughs) This is full-blown dependence. Absolutely. And there's nothing like a newborn to really make you have a refresh on that. But I, as I, I did, I just sort of didn't listen. I really pushed on wanting to have that baby. And I think because I pushed on it, internally it was there I was like this is all on me if if things fuck up this is all on me if if things turn to shit so even in my pregnancy that started off as a okay that's in me buried buried Mm. deep but it's in me and when I came home and I was doing all the things I felt so productive and so like like a super mom and people Mm. would say you're a super mom Mm. and I'd be like oh you know And only a few months down the track, it was about three months, Yumi was about three months old, someone said you're a super mum and it really got to me. It made me really angry 
I got goosebumps like talking about mm. it. I got upset by the fact that people continued to call me this Because that name. was the expectation of you almost that uh, you had to live up absolutely. to. Absolutely. Yeah. And I didn't feel that I was living up to that yeah. expectation anymore. And I'm then I started to sort of overanalyze why I felt this way mm. and I was getting to a point in my own head going, okay, maybe I, I can't do this and this, and I can't do that. And with all their ages, they're all requiring different needs of me. And I just couldn't juggle them all myself. And kudos to my husband. He was there. He was absolutely there, but not probably to the level that needed to be with a family that had three kids. There Mm. needed to be way more. I needed more support. There was not like the conversation you and Nick just had what do you think's really good? What do you think that we could maybe change? That is such a brilliant conversation to have in the early, early days. Well, I mean, something that has to be said over and over again as everything changes. I think you should always do that for for any new transition in in one's life, like weddings or birth or death. New jobs. Everything, everything should have that conversation. But we didn't have those conversations. I was very internal. I was very silent and long story short, we do have an episode on my postnatal depression, but I ended up suffering postnatal depression around the three-month mark and it was a really challenging time. I have been through the depths for Yumi's nearly four this year. So for about four years, I've been dealing with severe mental health issues on and off and I've only this year really come to understand and relax with my anxiety and depression, which is, you know, it takes a lot of work and a lot of strength to be able to do that. But what I want to say to the person who asked, what would you do Mm. is I would listen to your husband or your partner and you would sit down together and work out what would meet in the middle and work best for both of you. Because that in itself will do wonders and set you up in a really good light because you're both listening to each other and appreciating and each other. And you can't go into it with the fear of someone saying, I told you so, because otherwise you'll just never be able to surrender to it. You'll never be able to ask for the help that you truly need. Never. And we've been through all that. We've been, He's apologised, I've apologised, we've grown. And since the podcast, my husband is, you know, he's he works on our farm, he's a stay-at-home dad, he's probably, he does more stay-at-home things than I do now. And he also understands, which is a bonus, how much goes in to parenting and staying Mm. at home. It is so brutal. Even that the girls go to school and daycare, that in itself to get oh by nine a.m. you've lived a whole day, whole day, whole day done. (laughs) You're like, I need to go to bed. Yeah. So it's just a lot, but it's brilliant. It's all, it's all amazing. And I think what I love about children is they challenge you. They make you grow in ways you never thought that you would. And like right now, my husband and I are stronger than we've ever been before. And now we're really focusing on our personal, individual growths, and we're flourishing. And you know what? In the next month, it could all turn to shit. Mm. I don't know, but I'm ready for the challenges that arise because that really is very And I do think that you're coming into a whole new state. Like you Mm. are coming into that stage of a bit of freedom, Mm. you know, with your youngest nearly being four. But with that, as I'm sure you can talk about, you know, like your eight and nine-year-old or your seven and nine-year-old comes a whole new array of things to challenge you. And it's not toilet training and it's not sleep training or them waking up at night. It's like a whole new. See, guys, we will have more. We will have more on the podcast. (laughs) It'll be tweens. It'll be tweens and teens. Oh, the joys. I don't think I'm ready to hear about tweens. But I have something really groundbreaking for me that I just realised. So I've got three girls, Mia, who is nine, was incredibly challenging around the seven to eight mark, like really just testing, testing, screaming, like hormonal almost, just a lot. Like there was a lot of outrage, outbursts, and then crying and then sweetness, but it was a lot. And I thought it was possibly her personality. I'm like, okay, I possibly may have stuffed one child up, but we've got two more to go, so it's all right. The first is always trial no, no, and error. No. I was so wrong. She has turned nine years of age and 
She's a different. She's an angel. Guys, she's like an angel. She listens. She helps with a toddler. She doesn't get involved in fights with Billy. I mean, don't get me wrong. They definitely fight, but she doesn't like throw things or get really overwhelmed anymore. She's like, well, that's just silly Billy. Silly Billy. (laughs) And now Billy... Like our sweet little Bill, <laughs> our sweet little Scorpio Bill. Our little silly Billy yeah, little has silly become Billy. demonic Billy. <laughs> Today on the way here, she decided at home before I left to throw an entire stool and break it because she couldn't find her other shoe. So it's safe to Reasonable. say it's all developmental. <laughs> That's what it's we like leap. to hear. It's a leap. She, she's in her uh, 745th <laughs> Wonder Week leap. <laughs> so, yeah, and that's what I want to say is that my transition to three, like I don't feel like I have three children yet. And, and I do think that I turned to Nick the other day and this is not to belittle what it's like to have one child because I remember having that first newborn, my entire life changed, everything was new, everything was learning, everything was Mm, hard, hard, incredible. And I turned to Nick and I just said, oh, my gosh, like Pearl's a dream and easy in comparison to the other two. Like why couldn't we have known all of this (laughs) when we had our first? Like because I feel like I would have enjoyed it so much more and lapped it up so much more and he's just like, you can't, you can't possibly ever no. And I think that's why the first child you're like very cautious and you don't know because it's a whole new thing. Am I doing it right? Am I holding them right? Yeah. Their head, blah, blah, blah. Second one, you're like a little bit more relaxed because you know what to do from the first. Yeah. And then by the third, you really like, I want to know by you right now, how do you feel? Are you oh, super My entire relaxed? perspective of babies has changed. Like in what way? I just feel like I savor everything so much more and I don't stress about little things. I don't even know, like, you know, she'll have had a nap and someone might go, oh, gosh, she's been having good sleep. How long has she been asleep for? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I've fed her and put her yeah. down to sleep and That's what it is. I'll feed her when she wakes up. Like it's just it's so, so different and yeah, like I get covered in her spew and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll go have a shower and change clothes. And I, I just think you know how fleeting it is and how as much as the days are busy with feeling like you're not doing a lot, I, I just feel like this time I'm like I just want to go slow and enjoy them but also because I think there is this real trend And I totally get it nowadays to, you know, not leave the house in the first 30 days or rest and recover for 30 days. And I don't want people to look at what I'm doing and go, for God's sake, girl, stop doing so much and chill out. Like yesterday I decided I was like, oh, I'm going to give myself the challenge of, you know, taking Pearl with me to pick the other two up from daycare. And it was like the first day that I'd done it and I did it. And I was like, oh, that felt really good. But I want to say like I for nine months have not felt like myself and this is going to make me quite emotional because I don't think it's, I I mean, I knew that I was not in a good place throughout the pregnancy. Like that was obviously very (laughs) obvious, but it hasn't been since she's been out of me that I've been like, wow, I was really like a shell. Even like my feelings towards Nick, my feelings towards my kids, my enthusiasm for seeing my friends, my want to parent, my want to join in with games with the kids, my desire to make them food and sit down with them while they eat it. Like literally everything was an effort and was because I was like, this is what I feel like I should be doing, not because I had any desire to do those things. And so now that she's out of me and I truly, it was instantaneous, felt like myself again, I want to do some things. Like I feel like I've hidden myself away enough when I was pregnant. Like I feel like I've already done that confinement period. I want to give you a hug. Yeah, I I want to be gently in the outside world again as me because that hasn't 
there's been 10 months or so that that hasn't been the case. So I understand that the really slow and steady works for some people and it probably is better in terms of your recovery. I'm not recovering from you know, a complicated labour or delivery. Don't say anything more than that. We don't want any I won't more. say anything more. <laughs> I will not give away anything. So I'm not, you know, I, I feel fine physically and I finally feel fine psychologically for now. <laughs> Come back and chat to me soon and I may be going back into my <laughs> retreat. But it's nice to actually want to do things. So I'm just leaning in for that for now with rest either side of it. And it's really fucking nice. That is so good to hear. Yeah. So how good. Yeah. Cause someone said to me, when did the nausea ease up when you had her? And I, this is all I'll say about my birth again. I literally vomited until the end. Like I probably vomited three or four times throughout my labor. And I mean, projectile exorcism vomits. And then the second she left mm-hmm. my body, I turned to my midwife and I said, can someone please go make me a toasty and hand me my bottle of water? And I sculled that water without any worry that it was going to come back up again. How good is it? It's amazing. The reflux was gone. The burning in my esophagus was gone. The foul taste in my <laughs> mouth was gone. And I ate that toasty in no shit. 2.7 seconds. Like no indigestion. Didn't come back up. <laughs> didn't have to think about it again. Just probably asked for another toasty because yeah. it barely hit the sides. So it just depends, I think, what journey you've been through. If you loved yourself sick in pregnancy, then, you know, maybe that going slow and taking that time is great. But I'm like, I want to go for little walks. Like I've barely moved for nine months. I want to be outside. I want to be with my kids again and actually enjoying it, not being like, ha isn't this fun? Yeah. I love playing shops with you. And I think that's a really good point to make that you know, you hear a lot of people saying, oh, you should be, you know, resting as much as you can for the first six weeks until you start feeling like your normal self. As Sophie said, if you are genuinely, you know, one week or a few days postpartum and you feel like you want to go for a little walk, mm. then get up and go and have some yeah. fresh air. Like yeah. you have to do what you feel is Don't right do for you and your shoulds. baby. Just listen to yourself. Yeah. What do you And want? like, you know, there's been no day at all that I've been home with all three kids by myself. There's been none of that. Like it's not crazy. I haven't done one bath time on my own. I haven't done one bedtime with all three of them on my own. Like it's very slow and steady in that regard, but you know, I also, I just feel like I've missed out on so much already. So when the girls are like, we really want Pearl to come to drop us at daycare. I'm like, I'm going to lean into that and do that if that's what makes you feel like a family. So yeah, that's just what I'll say on that. That's great. But I feel really good. Good. I'm back. Yeah. I'm back, baby. Yes. Someone wanted to know, did you have much sex during pregnancy? Oh, just go right there. Did yeah. someone want to know that, Jane? Yes, did they did. <laughs> <laughs> no, not a lot. However, the last couple of weeks Ooh. when we were trying to get things going, yes. I feel like I've said this before, I'm very outcome driven. Mm. If I'm trying for a baby, mm. I'm suddenly ready to go at any time. Ooh. If I'm trying to also induce a birth, (laughs) I'm ready to go at any time. (laughs) So I feel like in my heffalump of the last couple of weeks, I definitely didn't make up for the whole pregnancy. Who am I kidding? It was maybe like four times. But that was the most that we had of the whole pregnancy. And how did you do it? Like what angle were you? Sideline. Yeah, Yeah, that's the only way. There's no other way. You don't want to be on them and you don't want them on you. No. You suffocate. No. Sideline is the only. I tried to do like. Doggy. Yeah. And you already feel like an animal. (laughs) I don't need to be in a position that's also named after one. Yeah, it's really hard. Yeah. And it's just very visual. And at that stage, there's just already been a lot lot. of change. There's juices you can't quite name. Things are swollen. Yeah. Bits are everywhere. Yeah, I just I just feel like the sideline's quite it's quite it's compact, it's neat. Yeah. Yeah. Well let's leave it at that. That's good. (laughs) Now, the people want to know about barley. How did you go? Tell us about your trip and how did you overcome the mother's guilt? Oh, barley. Oh, barley, 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 barley. barley. 
It was such a great time. Now, mother's guilt, there really wasn't any mother's guilt. No, you said it got you. What? You said it got you. You got mother's guilt. Oh, on my way to the airport. I don't know, but I just remember. Yeah, Didn't I you post I, something yeah, about yeah, yeah. Or were you just pretending? No, 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 no. <laughs> You're like, I just wanted to be relatable. <laughs> I just wanted people to think I love my kids. Sake. Sake. No mother's guilt. None. No, I had, so when I booked it, I had no mother's guilt. I was like, I am going on a holiday without my husband. I'm going without my children. I'm going for one week. I thought if I, I've never done this in the nine years that I've been a mother, I think I deserve one week. Like it's one week. And I kept on saying it. It's like clearly there's mother's guilt when you're like trying (laughs) to tell. Everyone's like, like, we're fine with it. You've got a twitch and you keep saying a week. week. (laughs) It's just a week. It was actually eight days, but it was a week. So I cross-tracked with Harry. I asked if it was okay that I could go a week and he said yeah why not because it was so far in advance that he didn't even think about what he would have to do what was going to be happening at that time he's like yeah future harry will deal with that i'm thinking it's school holidays but that'll be easier because then he won't have to do all the drop-offs and pickups they can just stay at home anyway so i ended up going with my sister-in-law and her 12 month old baby my niece gia and from the moment we left We were in absolute hysterics till the moment I dropped her home again. It was just the the trip I needed to fill up my cup, overflow my cup, not have to worry or stress about anything, not have to worry about bedtime. How long did it take before that mental like dialogue switched off? So I was on my way. It was about 4 a.m. and I was driving to pick up Greta and Gia at their house before we had to go to the airport. And it was on that drive that I started to question whether this trip was a like, good idea. A good idea or yeah. not. Harry started to ask me questions like, <laughs> why did you decide to do this on school holidays? What am I going to do here, here and here? And then I thought, you are 50% as a parent that I am, and you've got this. You'll sort this out. And you might not do exactly what I do, but you'll do it. You may not like doing it all, but you will do it. Mm. And I know And if down, he went away for a week. Well, he is. There's, there, there's an end story <laughs> oh, to there's this. A bit of a, there, there's a tip for <laughs> trip. A bit of a twist. But you might not enjoy it all. But you'd do it. Absolutely. And I think we have to. And then you'd book another trip. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that you have to go above and beyond what the issues are or what may arise and think my partner really needs this and I'm going to give it to them. I mean, can I just say it again? It's one week out of nine years. Yes. Come on, people. Come on. So, uh, yeah, I felt a lot of guilt leaving thinking, oh, gosh, like is there anything else I can do? I was like calling mum the day before and I'm like, if you could have the girls four days and he could have them, da 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 maybe this. And I was trying to micromanage all mm. the, the whole week that I wasn't going to be there. And I'm like, hang on, this is defeating the purpose yeah. of me going. Yeah. I shouldn't have to do all this nah. work and no one really wants me to anyway. Nah. It's my guilt. They'll work it, it out. It was my guilt going, hang on, let's just do whatever we can. So anyway, I just, I got out of that car and I decided I'm going to leave my guilt literally at the airport and I'm going to go on this holiday because I most likely won't go on one by myself for a very long time. So I'm going to do it and I'm going to have a really good time. And we did, like, it was just really invigorating having a friend and having time with your girlfriend even though she had a little one that was fine she just was in the pram and then she'd nap and then we'd cuddle her and have a little but that's perspective too like between you guys you've got five children and all of a sudden you've got one child between you so that's very different so different yeah it was a like we were like we said to each other imagine having like not having G here and having the two toddlers here and then we'd piss ourselves laughing because we're like, <laughs> how crazy would that be? You know, like could you imagine? They'd be just dead mad. But you think about all the situations and then we would just sit there and watch the sunset and talk about what we would do the next day and piss ourselves laughing because it's not a normal situation for us to ever feel so free so free and so like we we would sit there and go oh my god okay so let's work this out we've got to 
wake up, go to a buffet breakfast, and then we've got to, oh, my God. Okay, we'll go and do the shopping first and just see what's around, and then maybe we'll get a massage. No, hang on. Oh, fuck. Should we go to lunch before the massage or do we go up? Oh, and where are we going? Where, what do we have for dinner again? What are you going to wear? Oh, I don't know. What, are, like, what time does the nanny come? The, what time does the nanny come? They were the problems that yeah. we were having and every really time we spoke, we laughed because mm. we were like, this is so nice to appreciate every single moment. So I'm going to Bali with my three children yeah. at the end of March. Am I going to have a good time or should I be going on my own? <laughs> well, I highly recommend if you can go on your own, definitely go on your own with some girlfriends. But if you want to take your family because that's more doable and you've literally just, just had a had baby, a child, yeah. then absolutely go for it. I think with you, you're sensible when it comes to staying at the right places, choosing the right areas and, you know, you're going to have a nanny. I think like you went into having a third child, you would look at this is what can I do to make this trip as easy and seamless as possible, knowing that there may be barley belly, there may be lost baggage, there may be, you know, few issues like that. So you don't surprise yourself, but I think it just comes down to your family network and your unit and how you guys work as a team. For Harry and I, we really know now doing a lot of travel, different travel, <laughs> bad travel, good travel, fucking travel. Mainly bad travel. Oh my God. It's getting better. I feel like we're on the good wicket now. <laughs> because I, you've been going without yeah, your kids. <laughs> I know, I know. But I feel like we've worked out what works best with our children. So camping or going places in Australia or going to say Fiji because it's two to three hour flight, that is doable for the way that we work. Yeah. Because Harry gets anxiety on the plane. That makes me get stressed because it puts a lot of pressure on me the girls feel that so that in itself you can understand a long-haul flight we've done it's incredibly challenging and then there's huge factors you've just got to factor in what works best for you some people travel with their kids all the time and they love it and they have no issues going overseas so yeah I think that there is a destination and a place for everyone Bali was unreal for us someone asked me if it's like it's run down and quiet since COVID absolutely not I've heard the opposite that it's out of control. We went in the low season and we were so fortunate to get like sunny, warm weather for most of the time we were there. But like Changu is absolutely packed. It is so busy. It takes an hour on like good days to get in and out. It was quite like it didn't matter because we only had Gia and she was having a babysitter at dinner. So we were like, ah, this is like a parent win. When you don't have children, you appreciate the time in the taxi that may take five minutes or an hour, but you're kid-free, yeah. so you don't mind. Whereas we've chosen not to go to Changri because we've heard how busy it is. So like we're going to a resort where there's surf literally out the yep. front. So it's like if Nick's going surfing, he's not off for a day. We can literally see him. We're going with two other families, yep. so I'm never going to be on my own, even though we're going to have like seven children and, you know, like we've picked a room that's got a pool so that like when Pearl's napping, it's not just like the girls have to do have to nothing to and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So we have, and I think that in hindsight, I think at, unless you're finding parenting at home too much, mm. my advice would be if you're someone who's into traveling, do as much traveling as you can in the first year, if that is emotionally and financially an option for you. Number one, they're free. Mm. Number two, if you're breastfeeding, it's easier to travel while you're still breastfeeding because you don't have to worry about solids and all of that kind of stuff as much. And it's just easier before they're mobile. Then after that, you have to wait until they can be in the vortex of an iPad. So, and there is a which transition are what my period. My older two are now correct. So, my older two are five and three, and I know that for a few hours, you can get an you iPad can put on an them. iPad in front of them, and it's gross. You see their brain leaking out Doesn't their matter. ears. When you're on a plane, who it's, brilliant. Cares? it's brilliant. They are in the trance. They are in the vortex, and they're sedated and under control. I will say, if you are going to travel with a newborn or any 
child under 12 months to check in early and get the bassinet spot because whether or not you want to use it, it's extra space. Your kids have extra space if you've got multiple children Mm. and it's just so much easier. You literally have to be first in best dress to get it. So just make sure you're there early. And another thing was on that note of up until 12 months, it's totally true because Gia, she turned one, right? And she was brilliant the whole time, trip there, great. And let's say it was a developmental stage on the way back. And it was because she's still doing it now. She's about to walk. There's things going on in her brain. She's pointing at things. She's wanting to do more. She's becoming more active. She screamed and pissed and moaned the whole flight home. Mm. It was the first time Greta and I were in business class just because we got cheap flights and we thought this will be fun. And she... Spoiler alert, it was not fun. It was not fun. <laughs> she she just didn't want to sit still. She didn't want to sit on mum. She can't crawl on the floor. It ends up being really challenging. Obviously, we made it through. She's still here. We can still talk about Gia today. She's still crawling and being a little menace, but it is anything. I'd say 11 months. How are you handling bedtime at the moment? How's the juggle going? So as I said, I haven't had to do a bedtime on my own yet. She also hasn't reached that stage yet where she does witching hour. I can't. It's all a blur. Mm. I can't remember when that starts. Is it like six weeks-ish when they like start to wake up to the world and the evenings become really hard? But she's quite good at like having a feed, burping, (laughs) changing a nappy, has the other side wrapped, goes down. So I do feel at this stage if the timing worked well, I could probably do the bedtime, but I haven't had to yet. Pearl and I are sleeping in the spare room. We're in a little love den. It is a really cosy, nice room in the house. I'm actually super happy in there. And then Nick and the girls are sleeping in the master bedroom, which is where they were sleeping before. So it's somewhat, Mm. you know, just keeping things consistent. So he lies down with them. They go to sleep in that room. Depending on what time everyone goes to sleep, Nick and I will get back up and watch a show or he'll come in and like lay with me while I fall asleep in the other room. But it's kind of like Goldie and Poppy are his responsibility overnight and Pearl is my responsibility overnight. We're definitely taking more of a divide and conquer approach because I'm like, there's no point of both of us being up at all hours of the night. If sometimes at like midnight, she's a bit more difficult to settle, I'll wake him up and be like, hey, can you just burp her, settle her, put her down so that I can just get back to sleep Do you now? go back to sleep knowing that he's doing that? Yes. Oh, you do? As long as I can't hear her making those like yeah, yeah. hungry sounds because I'm just like, oh, I know inevitably You're she's going to want to go back on. If it's more just like she wants a cuddle type thing, yeah. then I can go to sleep and then I'll like, wake up (laughs) generally like she's been really good she's been because I I feel like before you have a child everyone's like oh my god just you wait sleep this sleep that but no one actually tells you about like what the reality of that means they're just like oh sleep never again but like what does that mean so it's obviously different for every child I would say a bad night is when they cluster feed so that means that they can non-stop be going from one boob to the other or bottle or however you're feeding your child and that can last for a few hours. We've had a couple of nights like that where either she'll cluster feed or she'll have a really hungry night where she'll wake up, drain the whole buffet, wrap, go back to sleep, be back awake within like an hour and I'm like, what the hell, you had a full feed. But most nights I would say that she wakes up three to three and a half hourly. That's great. Which is great because I feel like in between those, I really yeah. can get down yeah. into a good sleep. God, no, we're complimenting you. You're being good, pal. We're She's having a baby mare. Look. She's having a little nightmare. Oh, oh You're dreaming about the buffet running out. Yeah, she's like, hang on, buffet. And also, I don't know if it's because it's my third and I know what I'm doing or if it's because she was born the size of a three-month-old or what, (laughs) but she feeds and generally is back down within half an hour. Whereas my other two 
I was awake for one hour minimum each time they woke up. So I had to watch a show that the episodes went for one hour because then I felt like I wasn't awake for as long because I was like, oh, it's just an episode. Whereas this time I've been able to pick a show that just has half an hour episodes because I'm just awake for one episode, but it's half an hour this time. That's great. So it's really, she's really efficient. Um, I think it's both of you. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably the both of you. Yeah, working as a team, which is nice. But, yeah, and I would say breastfeeding the third time is really different in the way that, like, your boobs regulate really quickly. Like I would say already after a feed I'm very comfortable, whereas with Poppy I feel like I didn't feel comfortable after a feed for, like, four or so weeks like for your boobs to to regulate and have the milk production kind of under control? Well, as I said before, I was never really great at the breastfeeding journey at the start. It was yeah. it took quite a few weeks to get a handle on things. But um, with Yumi, I had a blood transfusion. So my milk delayed. It didn't come in straight away. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that in itself sort of mucked it up a little bit. Mm. So I don't really, I don't know. It's Once again, it's all just a blur, but I just remember all of it fucking hurting so much yeah. that I wanted to cry my eyes out. And I, I, and I will say I was so scared. They say after birth pains get worse oh. with each baby. So if people haven't had a baby before, basically after you've had your baby, your uterus contracts down each time you feed for the first kind of week or so and you feel the blood kind of gush a bit at that stage and it's your body, it's good. It's your body's way of like getting the uterus back down to you know, a smaller size and stop the bleeding. But everyone said to me, oh, it gets worse with each one. And after Goldie, my afterbirth pains were so, so bad. And I remember some of the midwives saying to me, oh, yeah, we have women who give birth without any pain relief and then after birth, yep. their afterbirth pains are so bad that they are like begging for an epidural yep. or like fully have have to take endone and everything for it. So going into this one, I was like, holy shit. I planned on like maybe using my TENS machine for the mm. afterbirth pains. I took in a heat pack and I would say they did hurt and they do give you that sensation of, holy shit, I am not ready to feel a contraction again. Because you've just gone through labour and then literally every time you feed, you have this like mini labour contraction I, feeling. I reckon it's it is, worse. It is just a completely unfair And <laughs> also, not only that, they'll come in and check on you and just press down like, <laughs> like oh, how's it all going? Like to try and push it through and you're like, you're like oh, my God. I had to take a strong, strong Voltaren mm. for my after pains. Yeah. And I just remember Yumi's just as soon as you said yeah. that, my holy hell. Yeah. They I, were. I wouldn't say pearls were any worse than Goldie's, but I feel like I was more prepared. The heat pack really helped. I stayed on top of having Panadol and Voltaren yeah, and I got Nick each time they came on to kind of like put pressure into the soles of my feet because oh. I felt like my feet would like curl up because the pain was so, such a yuck pain. And then he would massage into the bottom oh. of my feet and that would really, really help. Not yeah. really massage actually. It's more than a massage. It was like a bit of proper, reflexology, yeah, 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 proper pressure. Yeah. So, but that once again, that's you having a few things up your sleeve yeah. to assist you with yeah. that. So that's a really good thing to know. Yeah. Now, Jade, another thing people want to know about: give us the details <laughs> on why did you get a colonic? <laughs> what was involved, was and what do you see come out? Yeah. And how do you feel now? Okay. So I've actually had two. Oh, you did go back for another I one. I went back. Yeah. I went back. And I actually took my husband back. So he's had just one. Just to watch what came no, out no, of the no. tube? No, no, no. He didn't come just to this, watch me. Is this a kink? Or? He, no, it's no kink. No yeah. kink at all. So I decided when I was in Bali, I, and this is TMI, but this is BTB and we overshare everything. <laughs> so you're all going to cop it. When I fly, I've noticed that I get really constipated. Oh, like I'm I just so bloated. Go, yeah, yeah. Really bloated, really constipated. So while I was there, in the eight days that I was over there, I went to the toilet twice. Oh. Like that. And, and you were in, like, you would have been ingesting, yeah. Yeah, like I was <laughs> overeating well and truly for four people, let mm. alone me normally. Mm. So 
I felt horrendous. What's regular for you daily? No, I have IBS. So like there maybe no regular. every second day or maybe once a day or who fucking knows because it's IBS. Yeah. Irritable bowel syndrome for those who don't know. But I decided to look into it because it's it's showcased everywhere in Bali. Oh, colonic this, colonic this. And I'm like, what the hell is all this about? And my sister-in-law said, all right, if you're going to go get a colonic, can you just do it near home? Like we just, you just don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. And I don't want the responsibility. So just do it at home. And I'm like, okay, I know a place I'll do that. Got home, felt even worse on the way back. So it's like day eight, day nine of feeling so bloated, so horrendous down there. I could barely put on my pants or sit comfortably. And I actually did a little sticker out has who has had a colonic just to be interested in what people what their thoughts are because I love the public's information I want to know what their experiences are with things that's my best gauge usually of of what I want to do and 90% of no 95% of people said they really like it they get it done because it helps with anxiety and that your stomach and your head are connected another reason people get it done is that they just want one good clean out the overall consensus was to have three colonics in a 10-day period, like one off doesn't really do anything, but Mm. three of them does. And then I asked my doctor and he went on a huge tangent as to absolutely why you shouldn't have a colonic, (laughs) how they are absolutely ridiculous. There's no science um, to back them up. But look, in terms of- So I went and got one. (laughs) Yeah, so I went and got one. I was like, okay, cool. Um, Thanks for that information. He's like, "You, you do you. And I'm like, I will. But it's like everything. I feel like if you want to try something, if you want to do, you do you. And I did me. And it was a really interesting experience. A lovely lady did it. She just went through like what I eat normally, how much water I drink. Bing. I barely drink any water. So when I went in there, she put the little tube up my bum. It was literally like, I didn't even feel it. And I'm not saying I've got a big butthole. I don't. It was just that it was a really easy, non-invasive feeling. So it's quite a thin tube. It's a thin, thin tube and then it goes to a bigger tube so it connects to something. Yeah. That tube goes into a machine. You don't see anything but you can see a clear tube and that's what passes through. So you lay there and she massages your stomach with oil and there's some non-awkward music in the background (laughs) and they fill your rectum up with filtered water, warm water. Um, You can kind of feel it and your stomach expands to a point where the machine will work out if you need to dislodge and then it will go through the tube and then they fill it up again. And then they keep on doing that while massaging through. So everything starts to But if go the through. tube is so thin, how does anything come no, out of it? The, the tube that they put into your rectum is thin. Yeah. That then attaches to a tube that Yeah, big. but yeah, but the thicker tube isn't inside you. So that means that the poo has to pass through the thin tube. Yeah, that's true. Well it mustn't okay. The water must break it down a bit. No. Well maybe it's not that small. Yeah, maybe you your butthole just is bigger than you're giving it credit yeah, for. Yeah, it must be. Yeah. Because I saw some things come out yeah. and they were quite Pelletty. large. Mm. Anyway, so um <laughs> did that and that was interesting. She weighed me before I went on and then weighed me after and I was that dehydrated, nothing happened. Not that yeah. you go there for weight loss, but yeah. it was like still I lost a lot, but I also but got gained a lot you. of hydration. Yeah. And then I felt really clear and good because it just sort of made me when I sat, I was like, oh gosh, this is so nice to actually feel not clogged and not yeah. full up to my throat. Oh, fuck. Seriously, how oh I my felt. God. <laughs> like, don't. I was completely full of shit oh, before this. Yeah, well, we knew that. And now you're still full of shit. No, but less poo. Yeah, and so then I went to the follow up uh, appointment, and this time I was extremely dehydrated, and nothing much sort of came, and I could actually feel it. I know it's too much, but I could actually feel the blockage and it was so constipated and hard that it couldn't come out. So I then gained more water weight. Because nothing came out. Yeah. Well, okay. you know, it. 
I was hot dehydrated, so it just stayed. But in do there. you feel like because I remember Nick got one mm. and he felt like yeah, it felt good while it was flushing out, but he's like, oh, I feel like as soon as you start eating again, you just have the same poo in you. Did you find Absolutely. that? Absolutely no. I felt like, and that's what they say. It's good to have the consecutive three mm. all in a line because it helps with your digestion and the way the stomach is going. Look, I feel like because then she's like, do you want to come back for the third? I'm like, oh, I didn't really feel that great the second time. Yeah. Like I didn't feel, well, nothing came out, but I am being more conscious of having more water and more, yeah. more hydration. So I'm going to give the third one a go and just see yeah. what happens. And then I know, then I've got a full, like I think I can pretty much talk to people about colonics did you end up tidying up the vag before she was born? I actually didn't. <laughs> I did nothing. It all got too hard. I got to a point where I just could not care less. I did not care less during the birth. No, you never There's do during so the birth. There's so much going on. I ended up with two stitches in total. Is that too much of a spoiler? Way two too stitches much. in total and they did not seem to, they, no pubes seemed to get in the way. They didn't use the pubes as a stitch. <laughs> um, everything <laughs> seemed to be fine. They seemed to know their way around it with a bit of a bush and we're fine. Good. So, no, nothing got done to the vag and nothing will be getting done to the vag <laughs> for a very, very long time. Well, I'd just like to thank you, Soph, for coming oh. out of your newborn bubble. It's, I think, one week into your maternity leave. Two, we're two weeks into maternity leave yep. and I'm back. back. <laughs> I think she literally, like, was back at work within one minute after birth. She's like, Brrr. No, so people are concerned about me and worried that I'm not resting, but this is really fun. We've done it for an hour. Jade is handling literally everything. She's going above and beyond. So don't stress about me, stress about Jade. Yeah, worry about um, me more. Yeah. Pearl's had enough. <laughs> She's ready for another sleep. She wants me to stop gas bagging. But, yeah, we'll keep you updated with the transition when reality actually hits. Or maybe it won't. And do not worry. We've got plenty of interviews and chats coming your way that are not about newborns <laughs> so if you don't like babies don't oh, worry no. that's like holding a little fluffy dog up and saying do you not like animals no not not much look at um, her you want to say bye bye oh she can talk already she's advanced <laughs> bye <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode of beyond the bump if you enjoyed it please subscribe and give us a review if you didn't good on you you can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.